Rodgers has it. Gives to Franklin. He no, dies. No, I don't think no, he got it. I no, don't think he got out, it. The ball is out. The Bengals have scooped it up. Bouncing in the pocket, his throw caught at the 10-yard line. He's nice, nice. straight into the end zone. Touchdown, Bengals. It's a TD. Hello and welcome to episode 126 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. Are you sick of talking about the draft yet? Because if you are, you might want to turn off now. Uh, if you're not, well, stick around because uh, our draft coverage is sort of beginning, even though Bengals Twitter is awash with uh, uh, chitter-chatter about the draft. Number five, Team Saul versus Team Chase. We've already been there, but... Uh, uh, we're going to take a deeper dive today, and uh, joining me to discuss the comings and the goings uh, is Nathan Palmer. Nathan, hello. How are you doing, my son? How is it in uh, sunny Midlands today? Not so sunny. It's been snowing, so uh, <laughs> not that sunny, I have to say. But um, yeah, things are going good. I can't wait for the draft to start, because we're at the stage now where Everyone just seems to be talking around in circles. And uh, in previous years, I mean, it is our mission during this time to sort of try and strip it bare a little bit because I keep saying this every year, there are so many names and so many positions and so many arm length measurements and this and that. It gets to be a bit of a dizzying, overwhelming process. So we do try and break things down as much as we can. Um, do, do you know the metric that I like this year that's come out in the past I've never seen them really do this and obviously go they go they love the analytics but it's now how they focus more than ever on the prospect's age and they do I've seen on websites like PFF now they do like like they've got like Mika Parsons age 21.8 oh really you, you know you've got like Nick Bolton 21.0 and like it's like really like giving their age now as a decimal figure which I've never seen before that's not a measurement though surely well, no, not obviously, but, you know, like just like obviously, you know, in the past, I suppose, you never really focused too much on players' ages, but now they're going into the decimal value of, like, Goodness how old me. is this person? I so. mean, it is ridiculous, isn't it? Or is it? I know people out there, some people out there absolutely just cream themselves over these these little tiny uh, measurements and, and none was more uh, creamed over or, or shouted over last week when uh, Panay Saul... Had his pro day on Friday. The big boys were out there. Mike Brown flew his own private jet to... Uh, to <laughs> were you in that jet uh, with him, son? I wasn't, no, uh, thankfully. <laughs> Not um, this time. No, he had to stop off a few times to have a, a bathroom <laughs> break. And uh, do they have service it. stations? For... to pick you up. <laughs> yeah, do they have service stations for planes? I'm not quite sure. But um, anyway, they, they flew the big lads up to Oregon. Zach Taylor, Duke Tubin, and um, <laughs> and also uh, Frank Pulak. Um, he was, I don't know why I've gone French. I don't know. It's that I'm delirious with draft chat, I must say. But they were there. They were there, Nathan, which means they're interested in Panay Saul. They want to draft Panay Saul. They're all there looking at him, looking at his arm measurement. They're looking at his decimalised age. And that means only one thing. That means they want him. They want him, Nathan. They want him. 
Well, who wouldn't want him, son? He's an impressive young man, isn't he? Six foot six, three hundred and twenty-five oh, pounds. Don't he's probably you start as well. With he's his probably bloody two of me and you, the geezer. What did he run the the forty time five oh nine? Five seconds, wasn't it? But the big news was his arm length. His arm length. His arm length, Nathan. It wasn't as long as everyone wanted it to be. And people He's going to fall to the third. I think with that measurement, you're probably going to see him fall into sort of rounds four or five with that, aren't you? I mean, it's just, <laughs> yeah. it's just not, not worth enough. it with, with, with arms that length. <laughs> I know. Can you imagine me or you getting our arms measured? I think would would be whatever is lower than an undrafted free agent, we would be it, I think. We'd, we'd be falling down a few people's big balls, I think, wouldn't we? <laughs> I know, we'd be way off a big board. We'd be on a very small board indeed. But no, there is a serious um, point to be made here, isn't there? Because um, I guess arm length, for us, especially for a tackle, is kind of crucial. And uh, he, he did come in over 33 inches, Um but not quite as long as some people like for that position. Uh, but still, I mean, people have been tweeting out, hey, look, you know, these guys, Jason Peters and uh, Joe Thomas and all those guys, they they didn't have, like, you know, super long arms and look at the careers they've had. So I don't know what, what to conclude, really. I mean, it probably, you know, those arms of Panay weren't as long as as some people wanted, but... You look at his his size, his aggression, his athleticism, his willingness, and and expertise when he gets onto the second level. He's an absolute monster. Yeah, I think with Penaisal, like you've got to look at him and just see what you saw on tape. And if you watch his tape and watch how he played at 19 years old at Oregon, it you know he was phenomenal. He virtually had no bad games. And I think in the age of digital media, where you've got all of these new outlets like PFF and all sorts of other people that are analysing the draft, and you've got more and more like websites to fill content with. This real deep dive into all this, you know, various data and decimalizations and arm measurements and stuff, you can get lost in it a little bit and potentially over, certainly as fans, overstate what all of it means. But if you look on tape and you look at what he was able to do at Oregon, Penisal was an incredible player. And I think if we were to draft him, he would be a, a nasty weapon on that offensive line for a long time. He would be. And conversely, if people were um, slightly disappointed in Panay's measurements, they were absolutely going nuts, fainting over Jamar Chase, weren't they? They were loving it. They were loving Jamar Chase's uh, pro day. I mean, 4.38, 40, I think it was, um, nine feet tall, 68-inch arms. I don't know. I'm just talking nonsense. He's an interesting prospect, Jamar Chase, isn't he? Because he, there's nothing that necessarily blows you away i mean he all of his scores are very very high he tests in the sort of top percentiles of all yes, these various yeah. metrics that people want to measure but he's he's only six one and when i say he's only six one he's not like a sort of massive six foot four five guy that's going to just out muscle everyone he's 200 pounds again it's sort of you know mid-range his speed they measured him on his pro day i think it was in the 4.3s naturally pro day speeds are always a bit quicker than you'd see at the actual official combine if it was to go ahead so you'd probably say you know let's just sort of average it out maybe a very very low 4.40 or something like that but he's not necessarily again if you just want to put it down on the stats there's nothing that necessarily like he's not a john ross speed he's not a sort of you know megatron style physique 
But he's just a, a natural, strong player, you know, got in behind people, great with the ball in his hands. He's almost like a Chad Johnson in the, the same sort of build of that, you know, not necessarily the biggest guy or the quickest guy on the field, but just an absolute player. I think that's that, that's what people were worried about, though, yeah. wasn't it? His speed. And I think with that 4.38, that, that kind of shut people up a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think he's stronger than Chad Johnson. He's not, yeah, a shif- not a shifty, but he uses his strength really, really yeah. well. And um, he's young as well. He's mm. probably, I mean, the last time he played at 19, he was going up against like players like AJ Terrell, Trevon Diggs. You know, he was playing on a quality team. And I, the, the only thing I think that some people would say about Jamar Chase is the quality of the supporting cast that he had that year. You know, obviously, you've got Joe Burrow throwing you the ball, you've got Justin Jefferson, who another, some cornerbacks got a guard as well. They had a very, very good team. Um, and Terrace Marshall, who ran an, identi- exactly. who ran an identical um, uh, forty-yard dash at uh, the LSU and Pro he's, Day. He's, he's very a little bit taller, to... isn't he? But a little bit thinner. But he had great production as well. Uh, yeah, uh, last year and in the twenty nineteen season. So I don't know. He looks great, Jamar Chase, and I do think they're edging towards uh, picking him. If I have to say, I'm still Team Saul, just about, but um, I think the Bengals are edging towards picking him. I think that's yeah, my I, feeling. That's I, all it I, is. I, I agree with you, and I think it was interesting what Duke Tobin came out and said around how were, he really felt there was some quality offensive line prospects that will be available um, in the second and third round. He mentioned, so I think they probably feel a bit more confident going in, you know, picking some of those guys that they have pegged as starters that could come in immediately and contribute on the offensive line. On the wide receiver front, I mean, you might have a guy like Terrace Marshall um, fall into the second round, a Rondale Moore, um, someone like that. You could also pick, you know, maybe someone like a, Day- I, don't know, I don't know if I'm pronouncing this right, but Diami, Diami Brown or something yeah, like that. A lot yeah, of people yeah. have said that he's a good player, potentially in round two, maybe even in round three, but I don't know if he'll make it there from North Carolina. So there's some good guys there. Probably isn't as deep as that, though. Once you go past sort of Kadarius Tony. Um, and some of those guys, Elijah Moore, Rashad Bateman, there's quite a big drop-off until yeah, you get yeah. to guys like Josh Palmer and Cade Johnson and people like that who are going to be more of like round three, round four type of players. Well, that's the Whereas argument, the offen- isn't it? Do you go offensive line at five? Because it looks now, because of the Carolina trade and you know Carolina trading for uh, Sam Darnold, a bit of a shock, I would say, but good for Sam, good for the Panthers, but they won't need to trade up now. So we could well be standing... Firm at five. Firm at five, Nathan. Um, so that's that's the argument for both players. If you go for Panay Saul, is there a drop-off in uh, wide receivers in, in terms of talent uh, to round two and three? If you go Jamar Chase, is there a drop-off between uh, um, rounds one, two and three for offensive line talent and you know the answer is of course there is because that's the difference between round one and round two and three but is there a big enough drop off to make you go a particular route in the draft I think that's the big question at the moment yeah I mean there is a there's so many offensive linemen that you would say could effectively go um sorry that are are good enough prospects to go um in the first one or two rounds and there's that you'd almost say with certainty that a number of them will be there when the Bengals pick in the second round you've got people like Landon Dickerson and Alex Leatherwood from Alabama you've got Sam Cosme from Texas the guy that you were fawning over last week son Elijah Vera Tucker from USC don't count them out don't count if the Bengals trade down I tell you what Frank Pollock has worked him out and he's the best guard in this class uh don't count 
big uh, AVT out. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> big AVT. I big love AVT. Oh, yeah. I would love to see, on the subject of trading back, I would love to see the Bengals do it. I think with Carolina move, uh, moving and getting Sam Darnold, it's probably less likely now. You're probably relying on Denver um, coming up if Atlanta don't take a quarterback maybe to grab someone. But apparently but, Atlanta have been fielding calls for number four, so... Interesting, yeah. I just uh, think I just uh, think for the Bengals, you could. There are some really quality players in the draft. I think if you were just to move back like four or five spots, you know, and it been all quarterbacks, you'd still have the choice of an elite player in that sort of. You know, they talk about blue chip prospects, as Duke, uh, Duke Tobin was saying. You'd still have the choice of on the offensive line of you know if you were picking at like say like nine or eleven or twelve or whatever it might be. You probably have the choice of at least someone like a Rashawn Slater, who's a very, very, very good player, and quite possibly at wide from wide receiver, you'd have one of the elite three prospects, which I'd say were, you know, obviously Chase, but he'd probably be gone by then. But you know, Jalen Waddle and Devonta Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, someone of those three would be available in the top twelve picks. I would say that you could still get plus probably a very high pick next year and a late rounder this year. So. Yeah, I would certainly be very, very keen to field some phone calls for the pick. But ultimately, you know, if the Bengals think that Penny Saul is going to be someone that's going to be, you know, if they think he's that good or the same with Jamar Chase and they think, look, we don't need to risk this. We don't need to overcomplicate it. We've got a top five, you know, potentially one of the best players in the whole draft sat there on our lap could be the future of this franchise. Let's not muck about here. Let's just take him, move on, get a good player in round two. Absolutely. Let's just give you a rundown of what's going to happen in this episode in a very short while. Um, something we do every year. It's the British... It's the... <laughs> Don't cut that out. The British. <laughs> it's the British. What is wrong with me tonight? Uh, it's the British Bengals... Draft panel where uh, a say that quickly a British Bengals draft panel, British <laughs> Bengals draft panel, panel British Bengals. I see, I can't say it once, let alone three times in a row. Um, it's the British Bengals draft panel. Uh, four likely lads from uh, around the country have joined together in a virtual pub, I would say, and uh, they're going to go through some of the prospects for you to look out for. So that's coming up in a short while. Next week, all being well, we'll have Dave Lapham. The week after, the week of the draft, we will have Joe Goodbury. And we'll be doing our live... Well, not live. Um, we'll be doing our sort of quickish reaction pieces to each morning after the draft, uh, which is also fun things to do. So it is approaching and it is getting nearer. And as I say, I think for many of us, it can't come sooner enough because it's just... People shout at each other. You know, talk about civil war. I like to think this is the peace after the war, Nathan. This is this is what we're all about. Um, there are loads of good players in the draft. We're in a great position. Like you said, whoever we pick at five, if it is at five, it's going to be a great player. Wherever we pick in round two, it's probably going to be another really good player. We picked up some great uh, players in the past in rounds three and four. Let's try and do that again. So what I'm saying is, we've got we know where the weakness uh, the weaknesses are on this team, and uh, you know we know what the talent is out there. So um, I can't wait. Really, I'm, I, I think after this draft, I think we genuinely will be a better team. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's really going to be 
for the Bengals in the next couple of years going to hinge on the, these couple of drafts. We, in the last three drafts, we've drafted in the, the top half, obviously the number one overall pick last year. you got the fifth overall pick this year, which obviously extends into a high pick in round two as well, both years. So you're really adding the draft's premium talent to your roster. And who, like you said, whoever we get um, in the draft this year in round one and certainly in round two are going to be sort of pivotal parts of this roster for the next five to eight years when we're hopefully building um, building a Super Bowl caliber team. Indeed. Just uh, before we get to the draft panel, uh, Chad Johnson's in Cincinnati. He made a bit of a thing about travelling to Cincinnati. What could that mean, Nathan? I think he's going to be involved in the jersey reveal is my prediction. I think the Bengals, he, he's your mark, apart from Joe Burrow, he's comfortably your most marketable guy the jersey is one of the most exciting things the Bengals have had on for a while. It just makes sense for him to come in and do a bit of a bit of a modelling with the new know, jerseys. I'd that's say. absolutely right, uh, Sherlock Palmer. There, I think you're right. I think he's there to help launch the new kit. And I think uh, Tim Cromry was uh, in the yeah. uh, the Reds game recently because baseball's back for you. Baseball, or you? Uh, you seen old uh, Nick Castellanos having a bit of a. Bit of a ding dong with the St Louis Cardinals. I quite enjoyed. I that. did. I did. I'm. I'm not really a baseball man. I have to say, but I do keep up with um, what the Reds are doing. Obviously, because uh, it's nice to see Cincinnati teams do well or not, as the case may be in recent years for the Reds. Um, however, shall we get to our panel, Nathan? Go on. Let's get these aspiring general managers um, on the phone, my son. Over to you, Pete. Thanks very much. Welcome everyone to the UK Bengals draft pod. Um, joining me today, uh, we have Liam Corlett, uh, Rory Joe Daniels and Nathan Sangara. Hello, Jess. Hello. Yeah, you're right. Hello. Right. Um, we wanted to talk about um, a number of college recruits that may be in the, uh, in the thinking of the Bengals. Obviously, what the Bengals will be looking for has changed quite a bit with free agency, a very defence orientated um, free agency period does kind of suggest that we're going to be looking more at offence. Um, but the format we thought we would um, do today is something familiar to most people with quite a few different um, mock draft engines out there that people are very used to using. We thought we'd run a mock draft today and um, see which players become available at the picks. We're only going to do um, the first three rounds. We're not going to do trades, otherwise we'll be here for hours, I suspect. Um, so we're going to take it from there. Um, and, and last thing to point out is this is not a predictive mock. Okay, so this is not what we're saying the Bengals are going to do. This is not necessarily what we're saying that we all would do. This is just a, a means for us to have a chat about some of the players that uh, um, perhaps Bengals fans should be keeping an eye on that the Bengals might be interested in. Um, so, before we set the mock um, off, obviously, ever since Joe Burrow's injury and probably even a bit before, um, everyone was mocking to us the Oregon offensive tackle, Panay Sewell. So, um, let's have a chat about him before we, we set the ball rolling, in, uh, in case he's not there. Nathan, what do you want to tell us about, uh, about Panay? Well, just he's still going to be 20 years old when the season starts. He's about 6'6", 320. Um, fantastic offensive lineman. He won the uh, the outline trophy, Outland, sorry, Outland trophy in 2019, uh, which is the nation's best offensive lineman. And it was his 
second year of starting and he's only 19 years old, which is pretty impressive. Um, one of the issues with him in terms of scouting is that he opted out of the 2020 season due to COVID, which obviously a bunch of players did, but um, certain players is going to affect a lot more than others. Uh, looking into him, he was um, PFF's highest ever graded tackle that they looked at and think of some of the tackles that they've evaluated in recent years, like look at some of the guys from last year, for example, guys like Tristan Wirfs, etc. And this guy is the highest graded tackle that they've um, they've ever looked at. So it's, that's a good start, especially considering I'll probably, I'd still probably say our biggest need is offensive line. Um, the start, uh, type of um, offensive lineman he is, he's, he's a mauler. He plays with a lot of aggression. The, the way he plays just seems like it fits the AFC North Exactly the kind of offensive lineman I feel like we need. He's also uh, very athletic, uh, a great blocker on the move, and he has good adjustment to different types of pass rushes. And uh, he's not really a scheme-dependent player either. He can play in pretty much any scheme. So he's quite mm. flexible in that sense. You say um, a good blocker on the move. The um, film I've loved of him is when he's been asked to get to the next level and and, and he's gone and blocked a defensive back or or a, a linebacker and his eyes light up and he just uh, blocks them to hell and their souls just it, it's just fantastic to watch he seems to enjoy that immensely let's make a start on this mock and let's see um, uh, who, who's there so let's give this a go ah Falcons have picked Sewell so he's gone that's great so the Team Sewell, Team Chase debate is not, uh, is not relevant here. Um, okay, so um, we're on the clock at five. Obviously, we all know we need to be protecting Burrow. So um, I think that perhaps there's only one offensive tackle that we might consider at five. Obviously, a trade back is certainly an option because there are other linebackers, sorry, other quarterbacks out there and uh, we, we, we will get offers in, in, in this scenario uh, in real life, one suspects, uh, but not not today. So, um, Rashawn Slater, Northwestern offensive tackle. What do you say about him, Rory? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Slater is is a very strong prospect, uh, and actually, uh, with what we found since people have started going back to the tape, is that actually in some cases Sewell isn't the consensus number one tackle. Um, there's a lot of thought now that maybe Slater is equal or in some sections better. I know Daniel Jeremiah has him rated slightly higher than Sewell. Um, obviously, size is, is the factor uh, that there is an issue with. He's 6'4", so he's slightly shorter than Sewell, 315 pounds and the 33-inch arms, which tends to be just about the threshold where NFL teams will have their cut-off for what they will consider an offensive tackle. I suspect the Bengals have that set slightly higher. We're a bit sort of old-fashioned in that sense. We tend to like the longer-arm tackles. I know Jonah Williams is slightly more than that. I think he's sort of 33 and three-quarters, something like that. Uh, but the good thing about Slater is he's played left tackle and right tackle at Northwestern. An excellent showing on tape versus Chase Young when he took on uh, Young, I think he was in 2018. Uh, jumped off the tape. Excellent mobility. Uh, I love watching him get to the second level, just like we were talking about. Sewell Slater can get, get there and, and take on linebackers and create holes. Um, I, I think starting for the Bengals, he, he may be plugging at guard. Uh, obviously, we've got Riley Reef there that will do the job at right tackle. So Slater being that that smaller uh, frame could fit in at guard. 
Uh, and then obviously you would hope that he progressed to being one of your bookend tackles, um, in a sense, like like Williams. Um, but I think worst case scenario, you, you get a, a fantastic guard, and there's a chance that he can hang hang at tackle and, and be really successful there. Uh, I think his technical ability means he's quite a high floor um, prospect. He was a freshman starter, so he's had plenty of experience. He sat out in 20, 2020. Um, but yeah, I think he's a strong prospect. Uh, and I think he would definitely be somebody that we would consider in a trade down um, perspective. But from in this, if we were still looking for an offensive tackle, there is maybe, in my opinion, a slight drop off from Sewell. But I still think he could do a fantastic job for us. 1A and 1B, if you like. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, I don't think there are any offensive linemen that uh, we would be looking at um, with the number five pick. Um, but there are pass catchers, and quite a few of them. Um, and obviously, um, Bengals' Twitter has been alive with the um, Team Sewell versus Team Chase debate. I think we'll have another month of that to go. So uh, let's talk about um, LSU wide receiver Jamar Chase. I know uh, you like him, Liam, don't you? So what, what can you tell us about him? What what can't I tell you about him? He if anybody watched Burrow back in 2019, um, you'll know all you need to know about Chase. In that season, he had more than 80 catches for over 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns. He runs clean routes. He beats press coverage easily. He finds the holes in zone. He's got huge production, and he's done it against top competition. And he's also done it with a lot of weapons fighting for those catches and for that production. He's... I, he's the best receiver in this class, and I, I love him. Um, there were a few questions about his speed, and I think he shut the shut a lot of people up um, yesterday with his pro day. He ran a four three eight forty, which is rapid. Uh, he met the six foot threshold. Weighs two hundred pounds. He's so strong with his upper body and his lower body. Yeah, he's. I, I just don't, I can't see you going wrong with a wide receiver like Chase. There is another pass catcher that um, is worthy, in my opinion, of the number five pick, um, and that's Florida's Carl Pitts. Um, now, look, I'm not describing him as Florida's tight end, Carl Pitts, because that, uh, people are getting hung up on the letters T-E after his name. If they start thinking of him just as a pass catcher, then there's a whole different perspective. I mean, this guy's six foot six, two hundred and forty pounds. Expected probably to be at about two fifty five at the start of the season. Um, he's running an unofficial four point four four forty yard. And now, for perspective, that makes him quicker than both AJ Green and Tyler Boyd were in their combines. As I said, he's not. He shouldn't be seen as a tight end. I mean. Last season, he had 66 targets, 43 receptions, zero drops. That's a key fact, zero drops. But he runs all types of routes, not just tight end routes. He runs wide receiver routes. Um, now, the scout that I rate significantly, Dane Boogler, refers to him as the best ever tight end he's ever evaluated. So the best description I've heard of him is he's a computer game cheat code. Okay, so we could also talk about Waddle or, or Devontae Smith here, but I think in, in all reality, at five with Sewell gone, do you gentlemen agree that 
those are likely to be our options. Um, Rashawn Slater, Jamar Chase and Carl Pitts. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think they're, they're the best, our best okay. options there. Yeah, I, I think they're the top well, three looking at. Chase or Pitts, you're picking five. You've got a unique opportunity where you're picking someone special. Go special. I think Slater's safe, but he's just not that generational talent that I want. Taking um, taking Slater, for me, the only option of taking him would be a trade back, if I'm honest. Um, I think five's too rich, especially if you've got Pitts and Chase on the board. I think they're, they're the two options I think could pick for. I think they're, yeah. As we mentioned, they're the two special talents that you can see immediately having huge impacts in terms of scoring points. And while Slater will be a nice fit, in the offensive line, I think that those two are the best choices. Uh, are we going to um, give Joe Boy what he wants and give him his old mate um, Jamar Chase? Then are we? Yeah, let's go. All right, it. okay, okay. We'll go with that. He'll be pleased. Right, let's uh, roll this to to round two. Actually, do you know what we could do? I mean, this, this is a little bit silly, but we could really make Joe Burrow, Burrow really happy um, in his recovery. Because Terrace Marshall's there, and we we could roll out a 2019 LSU reunion and just give him uh, Chase and Marshall. Uh, Nathan, you like him. You like Terrace Marshall. I know this is a bit unusual, but uh, tell us about him anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm a big fan of him generally, but um, we, we remember about the 2019 offense is that we played a lot of five wide. Uh, well, the LSU did anyway, so they rolled out guys uh, Chase Jefferson, Marshall, Clyde Edwards-Helaire, uh, Thaddeus Moss. So. It's not completely unheard of to have multiple weapons like that, but you can play five-wide and give Burrow as many options as possible. Uh, but Terrence Marshall, he's um, he's years old, um, six foot three, two hundred pounds. Similar kind of um, uh, forty time. I think he ran exactly the same forty time actually as Jamar Chase, uh, uh, four three eight, I believe. Um, he was the third option on the national championship team, but he still did catch. 671 yards and 12 touchdowns, which for a third option receiver is pretty impressive. Um, he did even better um, back in 2020. Obviously, LSU weren't as good, but um, his statistics still stood up there. And um, he does have that really good release against press coverage. He's a big body guy, but he's got 4.38 speed. So he could be a threat downfield, which uh, we are we sorely missing from our offense. We thought maybe John Ross could maybe be that this year, but didn't seem to work out with him, but we definitely need a vertical threat that can open up the passing game even more for us. Um, he did also take a decent amount of uh, snaps from the slot as well, so he does have that versatility. I know we've got Tyler Boyd, but getting uh, Marshall in there as well, he means you can move guys around, um, different things to, to watch out for. And even without Chase, Higgins, Marshall and Boyd would be an excellent group of three, but with Chase, you, uh, you're throwing uh, five wide a lot with um, Higgins, Marshall, Boyd and Chase and that's going to be a handful for any team trying to cope with it. I mean, I'm like a kid in a sweet shop or a candy shop as for our American viewers. I mean, you'd love to have all those those targets. But I think it's a little bit gratuitous to, to, to go <laughs> on wide receivers in the first two rounds. Uh, I certainly think the protect borough camp um, would be uh, hounding us out of, uh, out of town. So let's look at protecting Borough. Obviously, free agency has brought us Riley Reef to um, replace the Buffalo Bills-bound um, uh, full-start Bobby Hart. Um, so um, available um, at this stage, we've got Texas offensive tackle Samuel Cosme. Rory, tell us about him. 
Yeah, I think at this situation, if you, you go chase in the first round, then having a player like Samuel Cosme available in the second would be an ideal scenario uh, for the Bengals. Cosme is an athletic left tackle uh, out of Texas. Over the three years uh, that, he, that he started, you've seen significant progression. You can see that from his PFF grades. Uh, Cosme is a developing player. I don't think he's hit the ceiling that he can get to. Um, so that that is a, a plus, but he's also a reason why he may be sat there in the second round because he's not quite as polished as, as some of the other guys in that same cluster. Uh, he spent a year at right tackle, moved over to the left side, no issues on that front. So if we did want to kick Reef inside um, this year, then I think he'd be fine at right tackle. Uh, in terms of his grades, 86.1 run block grade, 89.4 pass block grade, which is fantastic news for both Mixon and Burrow. Uh, prototypical size, six foot six, three fourteen pounds. The only knock on him is arms again, uh, 33 inch arms, which is something that this class, there's quite a few very talented tackles um, that are short armed. Um, so whether that's a sticking point for the Bengals, like we mentioned, um, but I think the value that he offers in the second round is enough to get you over that any worries that that, that would present. Very impressive at his pro day also, freaky athlete. Um, every test that you do at the pro day, uh, other than the broad jump, he was in, above the 94th percentile for his position, which is fantastic. That just shows the kind of athlete you're dealing with with Cosme, and that's why he's so exciting as a projection. Um, he definitely needs to sharpen up on a few of the technical sides, uh, pass sets, feet movement, stuff like that. He just needs to be a little bit sharper. Um, but I think he's good enough to, to be a starter. He's taken enough college snaps for you to be comfortable plugging him in. Um, not sure what uh, whether you'd want him at guard. I, I might be tempted to move Reef into guard if, if we did take Cosme and, and start Cosme at right tackle. But I think wherever you plug him in, you're going to have a good, solid first year out of him. And then really, you know, the sky could be the limit for him with that athletic profile. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, get enough talent and let them sort out the five best players in the five best positions. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I think that's what, that's what training camp's going to be all about. Absolutely. It's not, yeah. it's not going to be ideal. I'm sure depending on the value and stuff, we might end up with interior, but they'll, they'll work it out. And as long as we've got five guys that can block, then, then that's what Joe Barrow needs. And we can also trust we've got a really good um, O-line coach now, unlike previous few years. Yes, definitely. <laughs> uh, well, look, there is another um, uh, offensive lineman who's available. That's Alex Leatherwood, um, um, the Alabama um, tackle. And I'll say he's a tackle because he played most of his time as a tackle, but he is projected to also be a damn good guard and has played time as a guard. Uh, I like Alex Leatherwood. He's not a flashy pick, but I like him. He's 6'6", 322. Uh, and, and the first thing to love about him is his experience and versatility. I, I wouldn't describe him as a balanced offensive tackle. I don't mean balanced on his feet, but he's definitely more reliable in pass protection than the running game. And... I would argue that's not a bad thing for the Bengals looking to protect Joe Burrow at this, at this time. Um, it's often surprising that his athletic, because of his athleticism, he isn't more effective in the running game. But that could come, I think. 
overall, he's a starting guard. You could slot him in now um, at right guard, um, and um, he could have a very good career as a right guard or as a guard in the NFL. But I think he, you, a team should look at him as, as a tackle. Speaking of interior alignment, um, obviously we, we were dealing with the injury of uh, of, of Hopkins, um, and we need players with versatility, not only uh, tackles who can play guard and, and vice versa, but also guards who can play centres and vice versa. Um, Rory, the Oklahoma centre, Creed Humphrey is available. Um, you like him, don't you? Yeah, I think he's going to be top of that sort of interior O-line pool that's going to be available at the top of two here. Um, obviously, Elijah Vera Tucker's probably going to be the top guard yeah. in this class. I would imagine he'd be well off the board by this point. Um, so you're starting to look at names like Humphrey, Dickerson, Wyatt Davis out of Ohio State. In terms of Humphrey, I think you get a really strong physical centre, um, sort of that tone setter that you want in the middle of your offensive line, um, hard nose, sort of, you know, three-year starter, so he's got the experience. Uh, Oklahoma, obviously, we know they're a, a quarterback factory, so he's been in charge of chief chief protection um, of their, their class uh, quarterbacks that they've had coming out. And he's, he's done everything that's in front of him. And I think... After when you look at the tape, you think, yeah, strong top of the second. The thing that pushes him over is we've got another fantastic tester, uh, like Cosme. He had he blew his pro day out of the water. You know, we've got 96 percentile, eight ninety third percentiles, vertical broad jumps, um, and even like ten yard split was in the eighty fifth percentile, one point seven four. So you're seeing the athleticism and the explosiveness, which is what you want out of the centre. You want that sort of explosive, quick into the out of the stance and and straight into the faces of the defensive linemen uh he's left-handed which was one thing to note so that mm. slightly makes things a little bit different but I, if it was me i'd be looking at him as a guard he took all his snaps at center at college but i think a game translates quite easily you could plug him into right guard and he'll do the same job for you uh, so i think <laughs> Like we said, Hopkins, early early in the season, we're probably looking at Billy Price taking some snaps if, if Hopkins isn't quite there. Put Humphrey at right guard. If you're impressed with Humphrey, he might slot straight into that, that centre position for you. And then obviously when Hopkins is up and running, we know Hopkins is proficient at right guard. So them two can battle it out. You're going to have a strong interior. Uh, and I think mm. I think we've got a, a, a running block grade of eighty three point six. So I think Joe Mixon will be also yeah. interested. You don't get we don't say enough about Mixon because it's all on Burrow and the passing game. But Mixon's got got the big contract, so we do need to do a little bit for him as well. Well, um, Mixon uh, getting uh, um, getting his game in order will help Burrow as well. Um, yeah, the definitely. Running game always helps the passing game. Okay, I, I know we spoke earlier about um, the need to protect Burrow um, and also that the free agency was used to strengthen the defence, but there are some good pass rushers and um, there's no doubt we do need to add something in the draft to uh, the, the pass rush. So, um, Penn State's edge, uh, Jason Owe. Um, Liam, what have you got on him? He is the guy you're going to draft because of his athletic traits. He's six foot five, weighing in at about 255 pounds, and he is an absolute athletic freak. He ran in the high four threes in, in his pro day. He had an 11 foot broad jump. I mean, he's he's an absolute physical specimen. That I think he's 
slid down draft boards because of his lack of production. Um, he had no sacks last season, which is a concern. Um, but I, I think he plays the run well. I, th- I think I think he's got a really high motor. Um, he, he shows that he's got a good bend and he moves well in space. I think he has the tools to rush the passer. I think he just needs to refine them more at the next level. And I think playing in the pros with pro coaching can only help bring him on as a player. I mean, he's only been playing football since his junior year of high school. So he's he's still learning the position. He's still learning to play football. And it shows because he's, 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 he can be slow in his play recognition. Um, so he, he gets caught on RPOs. But I th- as far as physicality goes, he has everything you want to be special at the next yeah. level. And he's only had 20 collegiate games. Yeah. I, I think I, I haven't got the stats, but I've heard um, elsewhere the, uh, the stats of the number of uh, pass rush reps that he had last season and the number of quarterback pressures. And it was a good ratio. So, yes, he didn't have the production of sacks, but he had plenty of pressures. Okay, well, who else might be available? Um, Jalen Phillips, the Miami um, edge. Um, yeah, um, I've looked at uh, Jalen Phillips. Um, he looks like um, one of the best edge rushers available in the entire class, not just on the board at the moment. Um, he opted out in 2020. Um, he's 6'5", uh, he had eight sacks and 15 and a half tackles for loss, which is very impressive production. He rushed as a 3-4 outside linebacker as well as being a 4-3 edge rusher. So, obviously, we tend to run a, four, a base 4-3 more often than not, but he, he can step in if you want to uh, chuck a few 3-4 uh, formations at, um, at different offences and he can play that outside role. Um, he's got natural pass rushing ability with both street, speed and strength factoring in. And he's also really good at playing the run as well. It's obviously really important in the NFL. Don't want people, um, especially taking players quite high like this, that you have to take off the field on third down. So he's one that can stay on the field, which is really good. Um, he does also have, have plenty of room to develop. Um, and yeah, the biggest thing with Jalen Phillips, though, um, he does have those injury concerns, especially with concussions, which is um, why he may drop to day two, because in general, his uh, ability is a day one um, talent for sure. But he has struggled with concussions a lot. Um, uh, otherwise, he's a clear first-round edge rusher. There's another one who's a big unit and is available there. Uh, that's Carlos Basham. Um, Liam, have you got any more information on him? He is a big dude. He's 6'5", 275 pounds. He is a real old-school power rusher. Um, I, I think... He's a bit of a one-trick pony. Um, my, my concerns are he gets hung up on his power and he, he doesn't have any other refinement or any other moves. If his ball rush doesn't work, it, then he's he's sort of... He's out of ideas. Um, I think he's a little bit stiff as well. Um, if he gets caught in space or has to adjust to make a tackle, it does show up on tape. Um, but he has really good production. Um Despite like my concerns, he, he, he's he's got production, um, uh, and he's got really good get off for a, a big guy. Like if if you watch his first steps, off yeah. like it, it, it's it's insane for someone who weighs nearly two hundred and eight pounds. Like he's, I mean, he's at the time that we're looking at him, he is actually the opposite of Jason Oway, isn't he? Um, that hmm. he's got the 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 production. 
um, that might entice you. Whereas Owe doesn't have the production, but has perhaps a, a higher athletic profile. Yeah, and, and I think Bash, Basham offers you a little bit more versatility. He, he has the ability to slide inside on third down and rush the passer. Yeah. Um, he, do, he doesn't have to come off the field. He's not. You're not going to use him as a situational pass rusher when he when he first comes into the league. Where I think Oa might have to do that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's great talking about these edge rushers, and there, there is depth there, and we will obviously need something in the later rounds. But let's not beat around the bush here. We're here to protect Burrow now. We 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 went for Chase in, in the round in round one. I say we've got to pick um, an offensive lineman here. Um, so that's between Creed Humphrey, um, Alex Leatherwood and Samuel Cosme. My view, for what it's worth, I like Leatherwood. I think that he would be a really solid pick. He's adaptable and great, but we're not the Bengals. We're not going to have to play him. We're just here playing a game. I say let's reach for the stars. I think that Samuel Cosme has a higher potential ceiling and let's give him to Frank Pollock and let's see what we can make out of him. Personally, I want to go for Samuel Cosme here. What do you say? Yeah, definitely. He would be. He would be uh, yeah, I think that's a great pick. I, I think we'd be lucky if we, we we still had him on here. So I think they'd jump at the chance of taking him at the top of the second round. I think also he'd be the best tackle of the three. So obviously Humphrey's more of a guard centre. Yeah. And Alex, I think he may be better as a guard than anything else. But... I think the best hope you've got of a guy succeeding the tackle, I think Cosme's the, the best option. So day day two of the draft, round three, um, one or two options available. Um, two that really do interest me. Um, that's UAB's uh, uh, edge, Jordan Smith, and then Louisiana Tech's D-tackle, Milton Williams, who seems to really be picking up some momentum late in this draft process. Uh, so let's start with Jordan Smith. Um Rory? Yeah, uh, Jordan Smith, yeah. I think he fits the prototype that we talk about when we're looking at uh, edge, rushers, edge rushers for the Bengals. Six foot six, 255 pounds. You know, we, we know we like long edge rushers, so that's a tick immediately. Uh, difficult path through college. Uh, he was a recruit to Florida, got involved in uh, credit cards, fraud scheme uh, that, that eventually meant that he had to leave Florida. So that's a red flag immediately that they're going to have to clear up. If you, if you, I mean, he went on, he's gone through junior college and then he's found his feet at UAB. Um, so he's done everything right since then and, and he's made a really strong college career off what was a, a pretty bad start. Um, he, he came into college at £220, so he's done some serious work to get himself up to 255 uh, and there's still more room to add weight onto that frame. He still looks lanky, he's very lean, um, and he's quite raw at the, uh, the edge. Um, but as a pass rusher, he's excellent. He's speed, and he's got quite active hands as well. So there's plenty of development to be done, but you're actually bringing him in as your sort of rotational defensive end He's going to be there on third down. So you're going to kick Sam Hubbard inside and hope to get um, Trey Hendrickson and Jordan Smith on the outside. You're introducing an element of speed, uh, which <laughs> Hendrickson is a speed rusher. Um, but obviously the loss of Lawson will be that sort of pure edge rusher uh, on third down situation. So I think Smith is going to need a little bit of honing, which is to be expected that we're at that stage of the draft now at the third yeah. round. Um 
But yeah, he hasn't put it together as a, a whole package. You're going to want to try and get his run defence better um, if you're going to turn him into an every down end. But yeah, I think he's a fantastic prospect and he'll he'll give you some early sacks, hopefully. Yeah, and he had a good senior bowl, didn't he? He did, yeah. He was very impressive. Um, yeah. So that, so that, And then they'll like that. I think the Bengals will, will like the, the senior bowl plays into a lot of their thinking. So. And they've shown they're not afraid to... Um, pick players who have had red flags in the past, perhaps character issues in the past, um, but have turned it around and started to prove themselves. And that's what Jordan Smith has. Excellent. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I do like what we see in Milton Williams, um, who's a, a strong old boy who plays more centrally, I think. Um, Nathan, Milton. Yeah, um, Williams, uh, D-tackle out of Louisiana Tech, D-tackle slash edge, you can kind of do a bit of both. Um, 22 years old, 6'4", 280. Um, he recently had his set his target of 35 bench press um, and unfortunately he fell just short of 34, but he is more of a pass rusher interiorly, but he can do it on the edge as well, but he's a very good um, run, de- uh, run defender. Um, yeah, so he wouldn't be limited to just playing the rundowns. He's a guy who can be on the field for all three. Um, but we could see him as a potential Geno Atkins replacement. He also uh, ran a 4.62 40-yard dash. Shows how athletic he is. Um, did I see him bench press 5.50 the other day? I mean, he's, he, as I said, he's a strong old boy, isn't he? Yeah, um, but he's, yeah, he's really impressive. I think as much as I do like him um, and he would fit... The Bengals have started to fill out the interior D-line uh, part of the de- defence. And although I'm, I'm not saying we don't need to strengthen or, or, or replace Gino if Gino's gone, I um, I think there's much more of a need at edge where we've had a, a one replacement, one gone, one in, and not strengthened. And, and, and the lack of pass rush, lack of sacks last year suggests to me that they should be going out and out and pass rush uh, at this point. So my personal view is that um, that we pick Jordan Smith out of University of Alabama at Birmingham. Do you agree? Yeah, we definitely yeah. need that edge threat, don't we? Yeah. In the rotation. Okay. Yeah. Well, that closes out the third round. So to recap, we've gone for LSU's wide receiver Jamar Chase at five overall to replace uh, fan favourite AJ Green. Texas Longhorns offensive tackle Sam Cosme uh, at 38 to protect Joe Burrow. And then UAB's Jordan Smith at 69 to chase Baker Mayfield around the uh, Cheesecake Factory car park. To chase <laughs> Big Ben around, but there's not much chasing needed there. And, of course, to chase down the Ravens running back. So that's great work, guys. Um, this drafting lot's easy. I think we can expect calls from the front office for employment of contract at this stage. But what I did ask of all of you is if you could let – we did this last year as well. If I could ask you to – Bring to the table a sleeper pick or a draft crush. We all have them, players that we would like to bang the table for, perhaps later in the draft. So, uh, who have you got, uh, Liam? Benjamin Saint Juice out of Minnesota. Ah, he's cool. a long, but he's a long cornerback. He's six foot three and over two hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I really like him. Uh, he's a really short tackler. He he brings it. He hits hard. And I, I really appreciate that. He's shown he can play zone and press coverage. Um, so he's got that versatility. I think he'd add depth at a position where, well, maybe we don't need it anymore. We've, we've, we have invested at corner. Um, but I really like him. He breaks in the ball really well. The only issues are he really struggles against twitchy receivers. So guys who are going to put double moves on him. Yeah. He's got that hip stiffness. You're going to find that in... 
for guys in the later rounds, but I, yeah. I, I, I think he has the ability to work around it and be productive at the next level. He's willing. He's a willing run stopper. He'll chip in, and he. I, I, if if you want to go and watch tape on him, I thought he had a really good showing in the one on ones at the Senior Bowl. I really liked yeah. him. Yeah, I mean, he's possibly fourth round, maybe fifth round. Yeah, I, I think he'll be sliding down, like yeah. like later rounds, fourth, fifth. I'd be happy with. Right, let's see if Rory has got got us a long snapper. No, unfortunately not. But I have got uh, a guy that has been in for a visit with the Bengals uh, in the pre-draft process. So that's Amir Smith Marset out of Iowa, ah. uh, and he fits oh, yeah. the bill for exactly, yeah, exactly what we need. Uh, if we don't take a receiver high, he'd definitely be somebody that I would be interested in in the later rounds. Uh, pure speed receiver, but on the outside, which is what we need. There's a lot of slot players. It's a very slot-heavy draft once you get away from the top end. Um, the class is stacked you know, you've got loads of smaller slot receivers and Smith Marset is, is not that guy he's going to he's 6-1 he's, a, he's an outside vertical deep threat which is absolutely what Joe Barrow needs in this offence uh, special teams kick return ability uh, which is important with you know Alex Erickson's gone so there is a, an opening there uh, potentially uh, he's still very thin, uh, which will need to bulk up to 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 hang with the pros. Um, and but he he did have extremely poor quarterback play um, for the Hawk Hawkeye, so he's not had the best chance. So his stats aren't off the uh, off the chart. But um, four point four three forty time and an unbelievable ten yard split of one point four four, which was faster than anybody at the twenty twenty combine. Um, so obviously pro day is a bit of a pinch of salt but that is a very fast 10 yard split Um, good ball tracking excellent body control it's just a case of he needs to just develop physically Um, but yeah if he he maintains the speed he'd be perfect in our offence I think great fantastic well okay my draft crush um, is actually um, the Vanderbilt edge I've got to get his name right now Deo Odoyingbo um, six foot six, two seventy six. So he really fits the mold of what we like. He's long, he's lanky, he's got long thirty five inch uh, arms. That may, name might be a little bit familiar to you. He's actually the younger brother of Dari Odeyingbo, who um, the Bengals picked up off waivers from the Bucks in in, in two thousand nineteen. Um, Deo is young; he's twenty one. Doesn't turn twenty two until the season starts. He's a very versatile defender. Um, quick, very quick off the edge. First, uh, first step is very quick, but also could kick inside and play three tech. So very much like um, Sam Hubbard and can split that role with him. Uses the length well, especially in the run game. Disengages from from blocks really well to to, to get to tackle the, the rusher. I like his lateral movement. Um, he's quick to take blockers off their their blocking line by by moving laterally. Um, Good bend and flexibility, corners well. He's not Carl Lawson, but he's similar, albeit taller. Um, and he, he would be a, a nice replacement and add to to that edge. He he he's a day two talent, but in the run up to the draft, uh, it was announced that he injured his Achilles, which would probably rule him out for the good part of the season. So one wonders whether or not that will mean he's going to be available much later in the draft. And this would be a home run um, speculative pick if you could pick him up for a sixth or a seventh. And we've got a, we've got three in, picks in the sixth and seventh uh, because maybe not this season, but in subsequent seasons, 
he really will pay dividends. Okay, gents, many thanks for that. Um, I think we'll, uh, we've wrapped it on for a long time, so we'll have to leave it there. Thank you very much. Uh, and let's uh, return to Paul and the, the Cockney, Nathan. Well, there we go. A big thank you to Peter Dadswell. You can find him on Twitter at Dadders. Uh, Liam Corlett. Uh, he is at uh, Bengals UK underscore blog. And uh, Rory Joe Daniels at Rory Joe Daniels. And Nathan Sangera at nsangera93. And I also must say that, uh, unfortunately, uh, Nathan's uh, feed during that uh, chat was a little bit in and out. So um, I'm going to give you his uh, lower round sleeper pick, and it is Dimitrik uh, Felton, the wide receiver, sort of gadgety wide receiver running back out of UCLA. He's 23 years old, five foot nine. Played primarily as a running back or slot in college. Good change of direction and is very elusive. Uh, Nathan said, and plays faster than his quite mediocre 40-yard dash time, which was 4.58. And Nathan really likes him because he's quite similar to Giovanni Bernard and can be used in the slot when five receivers are used and gives some versatility to the running back and receiver groups. Could be available down there in the fifth or the sixth round. So I just wanted to let you guys know what Nathan's sleeper pick was. So lots of interesting things there. Lots of names being thrown around. But it seems to be... I mean, they picked Chase because Panay Saul was gone um, in that first round. So it looks like Chase. And then looks like an offensive lineman early in the second round. They went with Sam Cosme out of Texas. But obviously Alex Leatherwood will be there um, too. And maybe Tevin Jenkins as well. He might be there. Uh, White Davis, the guard out of Ohio State, he might be there. So looks as though it might be an offensive lineman in early round two. And then they address the defence in round three uh, by going uh, with an edge rusher. And uh, interesting, interesting. I think that's that would be the way that I would go. I think the first couple of picks would be on offence. And depending who's around in the third, I think... I still think we need some pass rush sizzle on that defensive line because, yes, Hendrickson's great. Ogunjobi, great. Uh, DJ Reader back, great. Um, you know, Sam Hubbard, fine. But we need some extra juice and, you know, some real action on that defensive line, I think. So that, that might be the round to do it in rounds three and or four, I think. Got a proposal for you, my son. Oh, Nathan, we've known each other for this amount of years, and are you <laughs> going to propose to me now? I'm going to propose something to you. Let's say they go chase, go which on. I feel like they probably will. Like, I'm leaning probably 60 40 towards they will take chase. I'd rather saw, but you know, I think they're leaning towards chase because they think that the depth is better at the offensive line. If you've got a, I mean, I think linebacker is a big need for the Bengals. I think it's, you know, potentially not as big as the offensive line, but I do still think it's a very, very big need for the team. I think that Logan Wilson's going to have a quality season, I predict. I think he's going to be a bit like a Jesse Bates on um, our team in terms of emerging. I think mm. he'll do well. Pratt has not come on as I would have liked. Davis Gaither, you know, is a later round pick, seemed fairly good in flashes, but. Um, 
there's still a lot to prove there. Haven't got that veteran presence yet. I still think there could be an addition on the yeah, team. Yeah, I do too. I, at linebacker on. before the draft, which maybe yeah. changes that. I think need. after but the draft, you know, after the draft. Yeah, maybe, when, maybe when after the, the draft. Come. But if you go into round two, you've got Jamar Chase and you're rubbing your hands together. You've got your game-changing wide receiver. Depending on how the board has gone and you're looking at it and you're saying, actually, there's, you know, because there's so many linemen out there that would be quality. You've got Saul mm. Slater, Christian Darashaw, Walker Little, Dylan Raddens, Tevin Jenkins, Vera Tucker, Cosme Leatherwood, Dickerson. You know, I could go on and on. There's a lot of guys there that are knocking around. And even if you get into the sort of later than them, there's still three or four guys, you know, Wyatt Davis and all them. Mm. If there's a quality linebacker there in round two, like a Nick Bolton, Zaven Collins, I don't think, I can't pronounce this for the life of me, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Yeah, he's wrong, supposed to be good, isn't he? But he, will he last He's a good player. Third? He'd probably be gone. Yeah. Say that again? No, no, I'm just saying, I'm just, I'm just asking whether you think he'd be gone or not. Um, I think he'd be gone by then. I think he's a sort of top 20 sort of rated on most people's balls. But if a Nick Bolton or Zaven Collins is there... Do the Bengals think, oh, actually, this is really good value? Both of those guys getting them, you know, in the sort of early part of round two would feel like good value and actually say, look, we're comfortable here with what we've got on the offensive line that we might be able to get someone like a Wyatt Davis or someone like that that we really like in round three Mm. because there's so many good linemen. There's about 10 to 12 players in the top PFF um, ranking of 60 players that are either offensive tackles, guards or centres. And there's bound to be one or two of those guys that potentially fall down the ball. Do you potentially look at that and see if there's one of these guys that you quite fancy that might be around the sort of round two mark that could be there in round three uh, if you've got a quality linebacker like a Zayvon Collins there? I think it's a really fair point. Um, but I just think they're going to sign... Now, I think that... I mean, I wouldn't be against drafting a linebacker, but I just... I, again, it depends on the board, really. Depends who they've there's got. There's just not many linebackers, is why I say it. There's yeah, not. Yeah, there's yeah. nowhere near the depth. You've got Parsons, Koromoa, Bolton, Collins, Jabril Cox, Jamin Davis from um, Kentucky, and then it really falls off a cliff to Justin Hilliard, who's probably a third round sort of talent. And it, you know, there's just not. There's maybe five, six guys, seven guys maybe, compared to the sort of ten, twelve, maybe even more than that. On the offensive line, I mean, a lot of people have mocked us Creed Humphrey mm. um, in round three. You know, if the Bengals quite fancied him, there's a good chance he might be there at the beginning of the third round. I just think that linebacker is one of those positions, unless they've got plans in free agency to add another guy that we do desperately need. I think we will. Someone that's I think we're a contributor. Yeah, I think we will. I think they. And again, a propose of nothing, but this is what I would do. I would wait for a bargain uh, around June the 1st, those roster cuts, because it's still a young yeah. linebacker group. And I think even bringing back someone like a Josh Bynes would make sense because uh, they're going to be gagging to sign with someone if they haven't been signed already. So you're going to get some good bargains out there, whether it yeah. be Josh Bynes or someone else. But I, I think I would prefer a, a veteran presence at linebacker again, to help bring on those young guys because they've all got talent, I think. Um, like you said, Logan Wilson, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Akeem Davis Gaither because he did flash last year, but there were some rookie mistakes. And I think he's quite versatile. We know he can be, you know, we know he can play in coverage, but he's also pretty good at making plays uh, up at the line as well. And I do wonder whether they're going to rush him more uh, at some stage, but we'll see. But yeah, I would go um, 
a veteran linebacker just to help those, you know, bring those guys on. Um, I think in round three, it's the sweet spot for defensive line. I really do. Just looking at some of the Patrick Jones, Rashad Weaver, you know, those sort of guys. Um, round three, I like Milton Williams. The guys mentioned Milton Williams in the chat, the defensive tackle. He's mocked to us in every mock draft I see. Yeah, I, th- I think we do us. need... Cause, Okay, so Ogan Joby is with us for a year, and I think he will give us better production than Gino did last year. He's no Gino Atkins in his prime, that's for sure. Not many people are, but in terms of uh, what Gino was able to produce last year, uh, I think he's going to give us more. But you draft for talent, don't you? So I think there's a bit of a gap there for for another three technique behind those guys to to kind of rotate in to get some experience. I like Alan McNeil. That's one of my favourite guys. Uh, but he's going to be in round two. Now, I think that's probably a bit too early for the Bengals to look at that kind of position group. But again, it depends who they've got graded on their board. You know, it's not necessarily about picking people for pure need, is it? It's about picking who you've got on your board and who you've got rated above other players. And they always say, stick to the board, stick to the board, stick to the board. So... Uh, but yeah, I think round three could be um, defensive line time, pass rusher, and then you know fourth round perhaps another uh, alignment there. And then where do you go? I mean, do you want to? You know, we signed Chidobe Awuzier. We've got Trey Wayne's coming back. We've got uh, Mike Hilton in the slot, all on multi-year deals. So you would think that the the secondary is is fine for a couple of years, but you still want to replenish the talent there. Um, again, I wouldn't be in a special... Because basically we've lost Ross Green, as you were saying last week, we've lost Ross Green and uh, uh, Ericsson from the wide uh, receiver Ericsson, group. Yeah. Now, you know, Ericsson fell off a little bit last year. I always quite liked him because he will always chip in with a decent return or a, a key play here and there. I do think they need a little speedy, gadgety guy to pick up the slack. So someone like a Demetric Felton, like Nathan said, or a Dwayne Eskridge, someone like that lower down in the draft. Because, um, again, it depends what kind of receiver that you want. Do you want an outside guy? I think we do, don't we? And Chase would Chase would cover that quite easily. You know, he'd be a star in that position. But you can move chase around the line a little bit play him in the slot a little bit whatever but you also want a little shifty bugger to kind of you know really <laughs> bugger um to really kind of make the defense think a little bit lots of motions lots of little screens and passes out of the backfield burning speed so you know i think there's room for a little gadgety player like an Eskridge or a felton you know so uh, it's going to be very interesting i think would you say that it's a certainty the Bengals draft a kicker? Um, I think we'll pick one up, whether we draft one or not. I don't know. What's that? Yeah, I what's mean, that guy's name? Boragalis. Is that his name? That, yeah, and Evan yeah. McPherson from Florida as well. Both are good. I think McPherson was slightly more accurate. Um, Boragalis from oh, what name? I'm gonna get you a, if we draft inside. Borregales. I might have to buy you a Boragalis Boragalis jersey. It does um, sound like a Spanish beer, doesn't it, Boragalis? Yeah. <laughs> A pint of Borregales. Yeah, it works. <laughs> um, Jose, if you're listening, that is your next business venture. We're right behind you. 
<laughs> I think he hit from 57 as he's long. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the thing is, w- with the first kicker taken, you might have to stump up a fifth or sixth rounder, which the Bengals, um, you know, if they fancy a guy enough and there's anyone out there, then would be a good move. I think last year, I mean, we had Joe Goodbury on the podcast last year and he was very, very complimentary of Tyler Bass, who was, I think, you know, one of the first kickers taken last draft and obviously had a good season in his um, first year. So I think more than anything, I just want to kick, you know, that can confidently kick from um, and make the distance from 55, 56, 57. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you have the confidence. That's still and, quite rare though, isn't it? It's not it just is. old you're Randy. Not, you're not guaranteeing the accuracy, but you just want to make sure that the guy's got the distance. And to be fair to old Randy Bullock, he did actually bless him, knock a couple in from, uh, I think just one longer than 55 yards, maybe a 56 yeah, yarder. Did, so yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it, it's good to have a young prospect in, um, and it'll be yeah interesting to see who the Bengals have got on their board. Absolutely. So let's just recap. Thank you uh, for listening uh, in this episode. Uh, I say we'll be back next week, but let's just recap. Um, so what are the Bengals' positions of need? You're looking at offensive line. You want the offensive line to be bolstered with talent. We've got some guys there. You know, Quinton Spain and Riley Reef just on one-year deals. So we need to restock with some serious talent there. We all know the benefits of having a, a great offensive line. We saw what happened when a couple of starters went down for Kansas City in the Super Bowl. We saw what happened last year to the Bengals and Joe Burrows. So we do need to restock that offensive line. Um, wide receiver, you would say, right? Obviously, because of AJ, 100%. the departure of AJ Green, the departure of John Ross. I think the they're going to of... double dip on wide receiver as well. I think there'll yeah. be a double dip. I think if it is Chase, I wouldn't be surprised to see him go wide receiver again in rounds sort of four or five. Yeah, and they took care of the secondary, which we thought was a bit of a, a weak spot. They really uh, retooled the secondary with guys on multi-year deals. So you can perhaps put that out the window for this year. Linebacker, you say, if they if they don't sign a veteran, something could happen there. And certainly the defensive line. I, I think they need two more guys from the draft. And again, don't discount another signing, a uh, free agent signing later on after the draft, maybe early June. But certainly those are the three positions, I think, that need to be taken care of and really given a, a big injection of new, young, fresh talent. And I think that's uh, offensive line, wide receiver, and uh, defensive line. Would you agree with that? Pretty much. I'd, I'd probably add tight end to that. I think the Bengals could use a bit of competition coming in there. I don't think they need to probably go anywhere in the top three rounds. But I think if there was a good guy, you know, knocking about in rounds four, that you had a good value, you know, you felt like you were getting good value. And I think that would be an interesting guy to add to the room. Yeah, that's good. Because Seathan Carter's gone. Uh, there's there's a question over CJ's fitness. And I think he might be out of contract next year. And they, and also out of contract is Gio. If he doesn't get traded this, this offseason, which seems to be there was a bit of chatter about that a couple of weeks ago so they might even be looking for a running back lower down fourth fifth round something like that so um anyway we shall talk more next week thank you for listening i hope that was a bit of a help you've got some names to look to you can go on youtube and watch all their film and if that's uh, what you're into uh and again yes we will be back uh next week talking to the man the myth the legend uh, Dave Lapham. So until then, it is a who day from me. And a who day from me. Cheers, guys. 
And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.